All right. This is uh, Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence Podcast. Back with you again on a special episode, COVID-19 special episode. This is number three, and our guest today is Mr. Eric Garcia. Um, now, I want to say uh, to everybody out there, just to recap, if you're jumping into this one, make sure you check out the other two with Jeff Roy and Wesley Anderson. Uh, I have reached out to some people that I look up to, that you should look up to, that I follow advice from, that are good friends of mine. And um, I like to say hashtag cast certified. And I have brought these people together um, and we're going to roll them out. This is Monday if you're listening to it when it just came out. And then we're going to have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're going to roll out different podcasts, unedited, no outro, no intro, no ads, just pure information to help you in this time of, they say, crisis. I hate really using that word, Eric. I really, truly do. I know that's what everybody else uses, but it depends on the way you look at it. And you're going to talk about that. Um, But that when when you say the word crisis, you almost like create crisis. Yeah, right. right. It's like, don't just, no panic. Well, you just right. made panic. Just right? makes your mind go like, oh, man, crisis. What? You can't use crisis in a good word, right? You just, yeah, I, all I the alarms, that's... all the alarms go off in your head, right? Oh, all of them. Yeah. Well, it's in, and not one of them's going like, oh, does he mean a good thing? It's all bad. Yeah. So, so it's all about adapting. Let's say it that way. That's what crisis is about. Crisis is about adapting to the situation that is at hand. Now. Today I brought Eric on because I look at him. He's been on a lot of podcasts. Matter of fact, we pushed back a podcast that was supposed to. This is Saturday morning for all you guys getting a behind-the-scenes look. It's 8.09 in the morning. And yesterday was to release a podcast, which you want to tell him what, what that was about, Eric? This is a nice little play for what that should be looking for in two weeks. Yeah, the um... – Wow, Dave Ramsey, title. Dave Ramsey, yeah. you know, reasons, I reasons I disagree, four reasons I disagree with Dave Ramsey's investment philosophy. There, that's actually what it was, I think, too. Yeah. I don't even know what the girls named it, so that's that's great. Hey, so yes, yeah, so that's what that is. So look forward to that. And we, Eric, and I have done two prior. Um, Eric has really, really started. Um, well, I guess I should say, Eric, you have really started to um, position yourself not in an authoritative way. You're just trying to say, hey, I've got connections with really smart people who I have seen change other people's lives and mine, and I want to give them a platform. Would that be the best way to explain kind of kind of your gist of the last six months, year, year and a half of your life? No? Yeah. Hey? Uh, well, kind of, kind of. You know, as a, as a financial planner, you know, I'm always looking long-term, always looking uh, ah. into, into the future, right? It's good. And so recently with with uh with the the covid situation i started realizing that you know the, the, we're we're in this for a while and my job as an advisor as a financial planner is i got to get my clients through this so what i wanted to do was i wanted to offer value because from an investment standpoint from a management standpoint we are sticking to our long term plans and we're managing our money the way we manage it based off of the strategies that we set out Okay, we're doing a, we're doing a good job doing that. So yep. I've got to continue to add value to my clients. Um, so I decided to start interviewing and having conversations with with people who are just doing cool things right now during during quarantine. But you were kind of doing this a little bit before. I mean, yeah, you've been, so, you've yeah. Been... So, so on all my podcasts, what I try to do is there's so much there's so much financial noise out there. There's so much information that that someone can Google. So I didn't want to be another another voice of just more information on what's an IRA and how do I invest. Right. And so what I tried to do is 
bring in from different perspectives. So bring in a couples counselor and let's talk about marriage and money. Bring in a child therapist. Let's talk about kids and money. Bring in a, a, a gym owner. Let's talk, let's talk about the, the parallels between fitness um, and financial fitness. Uh, so just try Eric, to, Yes, sir. We're, tell them where you're sitting right now. Tell them your scenario. Man, I am on my front porch overlooking the Mississippi River. There's a giant uh, boat that is probably level with me right now. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it, it is. My, <laughs> you said, the, yeah. The, uh, the river right now is flowing probably a little bit higher than where I'm sitting. So if it wasn't for the levee, I'd be in trouble. Wow. Yeah. Led Zeppelin said it best. When the levee breaks. Oh, that's, it's a good song, dude. The drum so, beat. So that's, that what killer. that's what I've been doing. Just, just bringing in different voices to um, the planning process. Because here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. and, and we're going to get into this. Because I think that's what this is about. Real quick, loyal listeners, this is not about investments and boring you with that. I would say to phrase this really quick, it's about plans, right? Am I right? Yeah, first, first there's nothing boring okay, take about it investments, Kat. There's nothing boring about Yeah, there really Kat. is when they're thinking, why is he talking to me about IRAs right now? <laughs> I'm not talking about Because I don't know about you. I got in the market, and it's it's looking beautiful for me. So I don't, I don't, anyway. don't want to talk about IRAs right now. You you talked about during crisis it's about adaptation. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's about I'm gonna say it's about leadership. Okay, and us as as advisors, I'm gonna I'm gonna just reference us all as advisors or as leaders. We lead our clients and we lead our staff, and we find ourselves in the middle of this this crisis. Let's call it what it is a situation which is kind of untenable at times. You know, we, we look at it as leaders yeah. and we're like, where does this end up? And the problem is when we start looking towards the future and trying to figure out where this thing is going to end up, there's so many variables. It's so difficult for us to know where we end up. Mm -hmm. um, and it could lead to us to start to worry. It could lead to concern. It could lead to fretting, you know, especially if you're, if you're, man, I, I feel for those commercial producers who have a huge hospitality clientele right now. Um, yes. When you start looking at, when you start looking mm. at, at reduction of, of, of revenue, mm. So this situation can cause us to start to fret because cause us, cause us as leaders to worry. And the problem is if we're fretting as leaders and we're Correct. concerned as leaders and people are following us who are also fretting, who are also concerned, that's a train wreck. Mm -hmm. That's a train wreck. The, the advisors who survive on the other side and thrive on the other side, I think, are the ones who are able to get past the fretting, get past mm -hmm. the concern and lead clients confidently towards the unknown, towards the future, right? And I'm calling that, I'm calling that rational overconfidence. I was rational a, um, overconfidence. You heard it there, loyal listeners. This is no, his I didn't, I didn't new, he, he, he came to me with these weird terms and said, Cass, we need to talk about this. I was like, all right, let's do the podcast then. So there's real, real, number one, rational. Oh, rational overconfidence. I didn't coin there it. You. I, I know. Coin it. Heard some other advisors kick it around. And let me tell you, let me tell you the, the, um, kind of the, the genesis of that is okay. in um and this is I'm gonna, I'm gonna come first from a from a from my industry's perspective from an investment perspective okay the okay. only historical precedent that we have in the stock market is recovery you go back you go back every major stock market crash every major economic um uh, downturn every recession what have we done we've recovered right hmm. they're all the same 
Yeah, people say, well, this is different this time. Well, all recessions and all all bad economies start differently. It triggers it's it's triggered by something different. But the end of the story is all the same, and it's recovery. Mm-hmm. So the only historical precedent we have is recovery. So it's perfectly rational for me as an advisor to say, hey, I'm going to plan for recovery. When I have a conversation with you who's got an investment account, we're planning for recovery. Um, even though I might have my own doubts or my own concerns or my own fears, it's rational for me to say we're going we're gonna to recover. And I can be overconfident about it because that's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's the only historical evidence like that it. we have. And I would say on the insurance front, since I know a lot of your, your listeners are insurance agencies, I look at it and say, shoot, man, in 2005, Katrina wiped out New Orleans and we recovered. Yeah. Came back um, stronger. You look at you look at you look at wildfires around the country. You look at earthquakes. We recovered. Insurance industry right. recovered. Agency sure there's some some casualties, but generally speaking, agencies recovered. Agents recovered. So as leaders, we got to look at that and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to lead confidently towards the future even though it's unknown." fretting about it but it is nowhere and i like this this is really really good fretting gets me nowhere because we know rationally i can be overconfident about where i'm going and one of the symmetries the symbolic natures of a wildfire or a lot of different times of quote-unquote crisis is the land is torn but it's also perfect breeding ground for new right New trees spring up, different mm-hmm. things, things that that didn't have an opportunity before. Uh, swinging back real quick, I looked up the definition of crisis. My loyal listeners, you know I love the meanings of words. I even love the meanings of words, what they meant years and years ago. That's even better. But crisis is used as a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger, a time when a difficult or important decision must be made, like a crisis point of history. Or a turning point of a disease when an important change takes place, indicating either recovery or death. And when it comes to the economy, we know it never is death. It's always recovery because of what the great Eric Garcia. And Eric, while you're talking, you're making so much good sense. Your voice is just mellow and just to the point. And I'm sitting there just listening. And in the background, I hear, isn't that peaceful? Oh, see it here. I, I mean, loyal listeners, you're getting it too, aren't you? You're getting it. You heard it like I did, and you're thinking, this is great. Like, I feel like I'm my eyes are closed, and you've got you're like on a tropical island somewhere, but no, it's just lower LA. Yep, you know, he's not LA, <laughs> it's lower LA, dude. It's lower Louisiana. Now, I've actually, I've actually what? worked, I've actually been working what? outside the entire past week. It's so therapeutic. You have been. You've been I doing a been. lot of stuff, um, a lot of great stuff. I was talking to Wesley on his last podcast. They've been having Olympics because he said that they found out that the Olympics had been postponed, and he told all of his kids that they didn't have to have the Olympics that they were because they're all Olympians. And so mm-hmm. they've been like having like these 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 like Olympic games. And dude, I'm gonna steal it, dude. I'm gonna steal like four or five of those fun. games, and we're gonna do it. Doesn't it sound fun. Anyways, go back to the um, so, so, go so back crisis, to crisis, crisis, so crisis fretting. So there's this um, crisis fretting. There's this phenomenon called. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Scarcity. 
right? Scarcity mm -hmm. versus abundance. Scarcity is like there's a limited quantity of stuff. So like a couple weeks ago, there was a, a scarce amount of toilet paper. People went crazy, freaked out, bought it all up. So when there when, when scarcity exists, our thinking changes. And there's all kinds of cool science behind this. Um, and we get into this, this tunnel vision, right? And during scarce times, our long-term thinking, our ability to think long-term is diminished and we become more impulsive as people. Wow. There's a, there's a really interesting study. Um, and they looked at sugarcane farmers in India. And it, this was a, a study on poverty, but I think there's some applications to this right now. So the, the question was, um, does, does, are, are there people who are poor just because that's just how they are? Or does poverty cause people to think differently, which causes them to be poor? So what they did was they looked at sugarcane farmers in India because sugarcane farmers in India are paid once a year. So the month after the harvest, they're rich. And then the month before the harvest, they're poor. And what they found was the decisions wow. that they made were totally different, right? So the month after the harvest, they're thinking long-term, they're able to save because they have, they have money. Even in their work, they weed the fields, getting them ready for, for, for the next planting season. And then a month before the harvest, they're, they're so focused on just getting through the next day that the long-term, like they have no, no focus on the long-term, on doing things that are going to help them long-term. Hmm. So it's a fascinating study. So we look at where we are now in the midst of this crisis. We're so focused on, on I say we, people are so focused on the virus, the virus, the virus, that they lose sight of everything else. They become more mm -hmm. impulsive. Right? It becomes very difficult as people to make long-term plans right now because we're so our, our thinking, our cognitive ability, our cognitive abilities are are, 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 are are dramatically changed right now because we're so focused on this virus. Mm -hmm. So what I've been telling people is, and you and I have had this conversation that right now, this isn't the time to make some long-term plan where there's a lot of unknown variables. right? This is the time to stick to, the long-term plan that you've already made. So, right. so there, I have a podcast. I think it was maybe back September, October that I did. What is the podcast? Say it real quick where people could find uh, it. Uh, plan Wisely with Eric Garcia, E-R-I-K. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, I just want people to know. Yeah, so this particular episode um, was how to plan for the next recession that might not come. And so the idea is, hey, you have your plan in place before it happens, because when it happens, it's kind of too late to put the plan in place. Makes sense. So now fast forward to this idea of, of leadership, becoming aware of this, becoming aware of, of you know, how people think during crisis. Us as leaders, I think we have a responsibility and an obligation to not think like that. Right, we have a, a, a responsibility to be able to lead people through this, to understand that this this scarcity or this crisis fretting mentality robs people of insight. Right, we have to become aware of our own of our own emotional status to know whether we're we're falling into that or not. And sometimes we have to surround ourselves with other people who can say, "Jason, look, man, let me let me, let me help you out. Let me walk alongside you. You got to start thinking differently." And to me, that's leadership. That is. And that is. I don't know. I don't know. Like right now, if you watch, if you watch any of the press conferences, uh, the federal or the state level, there are certain people who speak that you look at and say, "I will follow that dude into fire." 
and there's other guys you watch. There's other people you're like, I would not follow that guy into anywhere, right? Anywhere, anywhere, nowhere, nowhere. And that's, that's leadership. So what I want to talk about is what are some qualities of leadership? Well, let's chat about that for a little bit. So this is like my thing, dude. Like, this is the reason why, like, I have a, a man crush on Brick Kelly. I mean, because like, he's so involved in leadership and he is, I mean, I, I'm, you know, the 21 yeah. this year, again, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership Cass talks about all the time. I've had listeners listen to it or read it and go, Cass, I love it. And others are like, Cass, why are you so into that? Dude, it's something that got me when I was younger. It just made me realize like, um, you know, I heard Seth, uh, so I'm not going to go away, but I heard Seth uh, Zaremba say one time that his life changed when he realized that sales was a skill and he could learn it. It was amazing to me when I learned that leadership was a skill and I could learn it, mm-hmm. that I could, that there were laws that I could follow that were like the laws of gravity, that if I did it, and I say it all the time, if you're a really good leader and you understand the laws of leadership, you can predict the future. You really truly can because you know what's going to happen, like throwing a pin up in the air. So, okay, so one of my most important laws that I just use, now let's talk about this so we can be all over the place as long as we stay in the leadership realm. One of the things, and I was just talking to my um, assistant, uh, see uh, Sarah about this this week, was the law of the lid, mm-hmm. which is the number one in the law of leadership. And I think it's important because if you just start there, you can be, you're only can be as effective to other people or organizations as effective you are to yourself. Like how effective are you as a person, right? I don't have that in front of me or anything that just comes right out of my brain because I think to that myself whenever I'm trying to get them to understand. I've looked at, uh, there's a company that I have a good friend of the company was stuck at $3 million. They brought in my buddy, and he took him to $15 million in five years. But here's the deal. They're stuck at $15 million for like the last like three or four years. And so I told him, I said, without saying his name because he probably listens, I said, dude, I said, you have to become better. That's the only way that the effect you, – you were way better than the dude who can only get it to $3 million, But you got it to fifteen. but, bro, it mm-hmm. stuck. They ended up getting rid of him. They got a guy who came from a bigger insurance company, and boom, they're skyrocketing, right? So it's about that. So in this time of crisis, as you said, you can be following and putting yourself around people that it's amazing what happens. You just automatically become more effective when you hang around with more effective people, and then you will start to see everything change in your life. That's one thing. Throw it back over to you. What's a leadership thing that you want to talk about in this? So let me, say, let me even take a step back. You bring up- Because I didn't up. even know he was going to talk about leadership, so this is great. Go ahead. You bring up Maxwell. So he said true, and this, this, is, this is so key, right? He says, mm-hmm. true leadership must be for the benefit of the followers and not to enrich the leader, right? So, so true, important. True leadership, it's got to be about the people who are following you. You've got to be so um, concerned about the growth of the people that you're leading. Otherwise, I think you're going to be ineffective eventually as a leader or people will see through it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Time will expose you, as my buddy Daniel Sung likes to say out there in California. Time will expose you, Cass. And that is a very, very true stay- saying. I like that a lot because it does. You can only fake it for so long. And sometimes those who say they are great leaders, time is exposing them right now, whether for the good or the bad. That's exactly yeah. right. Go ahead. 
to, in along the, the same ideas, Martin Luther King said, life's most urgent question is, what are you doing for others? So again, it's this idea for others. I lead for others. I lead for the benefit of, of others and not for myself. Um, and I think that's part of one of the qualities or characteristics of good leadership is humility, right? Humility Ooh. is this idea of kind of like thinking low of yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it's kind of to... It's think of Jesus. Being, it's being not boasty, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't. It doesn't mean to think poor of yourself. It just means to not be boasty. But also, I think part of humility, as part of thinking yourself lowly, right, is that you raise others up. It's about other people. Humility, in most cases, it's about how you hold others up as opposed to how you hold yourself up. Lao Tzu said, "If he could be anything in the world, that he would be water, because it flows to the lowest point." And if it gets something that's that is full of love, or I can't remember exactly what he says, it will it will float, so it lifts things up. So not only does it go to the furthest point of it lifts it up. Mm -hmm. I remember reading that when I was uh, the I Ching when I was when I was younger. See, that's just stuff that like I forgot that I read. You know what I mean? And it just comes out at this time because I was trying to work on myself to become effective, and I'm not very much. So, anyways, okay, so. I, I really like that. I really, really, truly do. I, I do like that. Um, I also look at when we're looking at short term and long term thinking, one of those things that sometimes we don't attribute to be leadership, which is cause and effect. Cause and effect is vital. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, if people understood the law of cause and effect, and you know, I know we think we do, but if we really did, we wouldn't have as many arguments as we have. We would not have any disagree as as many disagreements. We everybody would still have their own mindset. But when we look at cause and effect, sometimes we I look at it a lot as as um you can look at it if you're a golfer. If I if I keep leaving my club open, I'm going to slice it. You know, if I close it, I'm going to duck hook it. If you're not a golfer, maybe there's some other thing out there that that can that you can attribute that to. But the law of cause and effect, and what we always try to do is leaders understand that you have to change the cause to change the effect. But if you look at what we do in society and what we do in business, nine times out of 10, we're always trying to change the effect without changing the cause. We're trying to create better processes and workflows um, for our staff. But what we don't understand is sometimes it's not the procedure and workflow. It's the person who's doing the procedure and workflow. So we have to look at what is the cause and what is the effect. Also, we can have a great person in there, but we have a terrible procedure. So we have to look at where the weakness is. That's going to tell us where the effect is. And then we got to fix the cause of that. That's a big leadership thing to me. Whenever I'm in the middle of a, um, a challenging decision that I need to make, I'm looking at and saying, Am I fixing the effect or am I fixing the cause? Because that's that's vital. Yeah, and I think along those lines, yeah, one of the things that's so important is is our attitude, and sometimes our attitude is the cause, right? How we approach something. So this is this is a little little lengthy, but humor me. Let me read this to you. Come on, okay? come on, Ready? come on. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna read it slow, or not slow, but I just won't read it at my normal. Cadence. Like us, like like you and I. Slow. The, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than success, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We can't change our past. 
We can't change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We can't change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that's our attitude. And I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. Right? Think about that. Mm. That's a, mm. Char Charles Swindoll said that. Um, is things are going to mm. happen. COVID's going to happen. Um, market pressures in our businesses are going to happen. How do we react to it? How do we respond to it? How we do is leadership. Do we let it? Do we let it defeat us? Do we let it send us into a frenzy and fret, or do we look at it and say, "Huh, let me evaluate the landscape and let me figure out how I'm going to approach this, how I'm going to attack, and how I'm going to solve this." And I think I think attitude is so so. Even before process, I don't care. I don't care how good or how or how you can have the best processes in the world, but if you're a crappy leader who has a terrible sure. attitude. I don't, I don't want, I would rather follow the guy who doesn't have processes, who's got good attitude and good clarity about where they want to go than be in an organization that's got wonderful processes that forget people. Totally. Totally, dude. Totally. So let's talk totally. about another characteristic of leadership. You ready? I heard Simon Sinek say the other day, my loyal listeners know this. He said that processes are nothing more than a lack of good leadership. And, oh, no, or the lack of a good culture. That's what it was. He's saying that with a good culture, you don't have to have processes and workflows. I disagree with that. Uh, two weeks ago, I released a podcast that I did with Grant Botma. I brought it up to him. He said, it's absolutely true. We have no processes and workflows in our office, not one. He said, we have a center vision. And as long as you're going towards that vision, you're doing the right thing. And that's what we do. I said, yeah, but if someone's going to be moving this piece of paper to this piece of paper, he says, everybody knows their job. They know what their goals are. They know what our end mission is and what their piece of that is. And that's called, the, that pro was really, and that's called the process. <laughs> right? Really, really, really right. kind of interesting though. But go ahead. You but might, a written, you a might written not have, Yeah, you might not have formal processes, but there's process. There's processes everywhere. Uh, it's true that if you have the proper culture and the proper people, you're hiring people who are doing things the way that you want them to be done. Therefore, you, that, that's your process. And that's cool. And, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Grant, I welcome you back on the podcast at any time to counter what Mr. Garcia is saying, because I think you're both making very good sense. But don't, not, don't let me cut hey, you off. Go ahead. I'm not going to disagree with Grant. I'm not. You know, I'm, no. I'm, I'm actually saying I'm actually saying that you, I'm actually saying that he's right. He just calls it something different. Right, you call it processes. He says it's, it's not process. That's weird. I think it's both and. It's both and. <laughs> so next, Glad next, you were next, about next characteristic, okay? And th this kind of goes in line with the same idea of of leadership serving others is mm -hmm. compassion. It's Ooh, it's a real so. it's a real concern for other people. A, re a real concern for the suffering, right? So right now. You're, you're running your insurance agency or you're a financial advisor like me and you're having a conversation with someone who's really struggling with loss, loss of revenue, loss of account value, loss, whatever it, it may be. Um, how, how are we responding to them? How are we interacting with them? Mm -hmm. Right. I'll tell you a story. And, and um, I, I think I, sh I shared this on the mastermind last week. After Katrina, right, every call was the same. Right. Every call was exactly the same. Different people. It was the same. My house flooded. It lost everything. My house flooded. And it, and, and it took 30 to 45 minutes for them to share that. 
And the temptation, the temptation was to say, yeah, I get it. You lost everything. Here's the claims number. Let's move on. But that, but that wasn't a compassionate view. A compassionate view was, I'm really concerned for you. Tell me your story. This was the first time they were telling me and you have to listen to it. And I think that's compassion. So right now, you know, for, for people who are dealing with a lot of clients, and this might not be everyone because you might be personal lines and you know, everything is mortgagee build and everything is fine. You don't have, you're not losing any revenue. But if you're a commercial agent, you're dealing with, with significant uh, uh, issues with, with, your, with your clients. Listen to their stories. You know, don't, don't um, fight, fight the temptation to presume you already know what they're dealing with. Even though you may right. already know what they're dealing with, listen to it. You mm-hmm. you build a lot of loyalty that way. Um, it's and, tough, but you got to yeah. do it. So compassion, I think, is a good quality of of uh, good leaders. Good leaders, yeah, and, and along the same line, the the other side of that same coin is empathy. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. That's what I was going to say. Yep. No. And I wasn't going to say that, but I was, you were, you were, you were fretting into that area. So yeah, empathy is, is huge is understanding where other people are coming from. One of the things that I will throw out there is, um, I mean, I'm kind of impressed, dude. I I really had no plans of this, but, um, John C. Maxwell says out there that people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's very, very important for a lot of leaders who are out there, especially in this time of crisis. It's easy to get people to follow us when things are going easy, but it's tough in this time of crisis. And if you look around your office and you start to realize that some of the things that you thought were in place or that you have talked to your your team in the last week or two, that in this time we're going to do this, when you've noticed that they're not seeing it, they they have a mutiny, that they have a they're not doing what you're asking, and you're huddling them back together and refocusing them on the vision and setting them loose, and it's just not working. This is where one of those things you have to look inward and realize that sometimes they may not be believing in the leader. Travis and I talk about this at our agency because there's certain things that I'm really really good at leading the team with. 
And then there's certain things he's really good at leading the team with. So I'm really good at the vision part and getting them to see that understanding and believing it and going. But he's really good at the leading part and actually acting that out. And I wouldn't want to say a manager because he's still leading hardcore there. And I'm, uh, managers can be leaders as well. But I'm just saying that it, that he's really good at that part. And so the point is, is that if they buy into the vision of my vision and then his vision of how it should be complete, mm-hmm. they buy into you before they're going to buy into the vision. And so use that as a test to see if they're buying into you if they're not buying into the vision. It also could be that your vision's just not very clear. Okay, there's other things. But oh, in, the, in, the, in the gist of it, don't think that, hey, even though I may not be the best leader or I don't have the best attributes as a leader or maybe they don't see me as a leader, if I can come up with a good enough vision, then I can get that position. That's not true. It's opposite of that. Yeah, so what you're talking about with you and Travis is, you know, you and I talk about the book Traction, right? You're the you're Correct. the you're the visionary, you're the one who's looking forward, and Travis is the integrator. He's the one who's operationally making it work. And I think mm-hmm. that's a self-awareness thing. I think good leader, good leaders are self-aware. Self-aware, dude. That is a like big that? big time. I love self-aware, dude. That's one of the parts I like about Gary V. He talks about self-aware all the time and I think he's so right. I'm putting that and, down. And that's the thing. Some leaders, you know, who 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 might not be as as humble think they're good at everything. And they're not. Mm-hmm. And people no. people can see through where you suck. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's about having good compassion, humility, and confidence and empathy with them in the past as a leader for them to be able to tell you that. Mm-hmm. It, it Sarah in my office has no problem telling me that I'm not good at something or no, you're not going to do that, Jason. Let me do that. Right. Like I'm better at that for a reason. It used to be, well, why, why this? And now it's just like, well, whatever it is, she knows something that I don't see. And I trust her in that position to be able to do that. So it's important that as a leader, you feel that way with them. So they're open to be able to have that humility and empathy with you as well. Yeah. So another one, and we kind of talked about this when we talked about rational overconfidence is I think that leaders are courageous. And this idea of courage is despite my own fear, maybe despite my own concerns, I am still going to lead, right? It's the firefighter who says that house is on built is on fire. That building is on fire, but I'm going to run in scary as all hell. And I'm going to go rescue someone. That's courage. That in, mm-hmm. in the face of fear, uh, you still do what you're supposed to do. Correct. And I think that's that rational overconfidence that, that, you know, this is, these are scary, uncharted waters. I mean, that's how it was for Katrina. But despite it, I'm still going to press forward. The plan is still this, and I'm still going to push towards that plan. It was a good plan before. It's still a good plan. And I'm going to continue to walk through the unknown despite my own fears because it still makes sense. And that's what I'm called to do. Then that's my mission. And isn't that why it's a plan? Is that in the time of ups and downs, we follow through, right? Yeah. So this is the reason we made this. Now, sometimes we have crisis plans where it gets really crazy like this. But I love that when you say that. That is so, 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 so powerful right there. So here's the thing. Follow that plan. Crisis plans. Okay. So like I've got a long-term retirement plan. I want to retire in 15 years, whatever. Okay. So between Mm -hmm. now and 15 years, a lot can happen. 
to change that. I can make less money. I can change jobs. I can make more money. I have more money to save. The stock market can do good. It can do bad. I can have another kid. I can have an unknown expense. A lot, a lot of things, a lot of variables happen. And as they happen, I deal with them, but it doesn't change the end goal. I have to adjust as new, as new variables are introduced into the environment. And it's the same thing, right? No one saw this coming. I still have a plan to grow my agency to attract clients from this niche. Okay, we've got this COVID thing happening right now. How how am I going to, in light of this big plan, right? Because that's what I'm I'm keeping my eyes fixed on that mm-hmm. big plan. How do I now adjust? That's going to get me back on course towards that because this this crisis has totally knocked it off. It's kind of look. It's kind of like I think in the same in the same post I did to the to mastermind. It's when when Jesus comes walking out in the water in the middle of the storm. Boom, mm-hmm. and like. Peter sees him and he's like, dude, it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, it's me. And, and Peter's like, dude, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus is like, all right, come to me. So like Peter gets out and starts walking on the water because his eyes are fixed on the goal. His eyes are fixed. As soon as he saw the wind and the in the in the uh the waves, what happened? Fear, fear was introduced and he sunk. And boom. So that got guy, wet. So this is leadership right here. This, I mean, this is the perfect, this is the perfect example or picture of leadership is we as leaders are out there in front and people are looking at us there's wind and there's storms and there's floods and there's fires and there's viruses all around us and we're saying hey look this is where i'm leading you okay we're gonna get through this we don't know where the end is but keep your eyes fixed on this goal and we're gonna get through this and we will deal with these variables if i gotta reach down and grab your hand because you're because you're starting to sink because of of the fear that's surrounding you, so be it. But we're going to keep going towards this goal, and that's leadership. Yes, that is. Good leaders are flexible, and their plans are fluid. They allow creativity. They plan, but they look for options. Now, I like that because I, I just actually saw that, and I don't know if I've ever seen, I've ever heard that one from John C. Maxwell. I was looking for another one because I couldn't think and I didn't want to butcher it, so I wanted to get it right. And I've heard him say this recently, is that a, when you're a leader and you're trying to find where your place is, you sometimes have to realize that a successful person finds the right place for himself, but a successful leader finds the right place for others. Say it again, a successful person finds the right place for himself, but a successful leader finds the right place for others. This is where you can start to judge yourself. Using a quote like that, you can start to say, am I thinking of myself in this crisis? Am I thinking of others? See, what we have to do is the old saying is, is that you can't fix a problem unless you know that there's actually a problem exists. 95 to 98% of everything that happens in our life that's negative, good or bad, comes from the actions that we do. Most of the bad ones, the good ones come from actions of others. But that's where I think these are those times where I I read something like that, Eric, and I think to myself, okay, the way I've been thinking the last week or two, have I been thinking about what's going to, what's where it's going to put me? Um, Or is this because it's where it's going to put my business and my employees and what they're, what's going to affect them? So I really, really thought I, I couldn't remember that one, but that was a good one I heard a long time ago. Yeah, or or your your clients, right? It's it's you as an insurance ah, person. Yes, you as an insurance person. This is this is outside a crisis, right? You as an insurance mm-hmm. person, if you're meeting with a client, um, you you better be 
providing them the product and the service that's in their best interest. Correct. And so like for me on the investment side, I'm a fiduciary to my clients, meaning I, I am legally obligated to give you advice that's in your best interest um, before, right. first. Um, and it's, it's the same idea is people are- Unlike that Dave Ramsey guy who's not licensed so he can give unqualified information. He's not regulated, no, yeah, but someone like on. you who's we're licensed- not, We're not hating on Dave Ramsey right now. No, on, I'm just man. saying, yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> But if you want to find out more, dun 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 dun. In so two with Jason's weeks, alu- find out. Let, let me let me just let me just clarify this because I don't want to you know I don't want. He's very serious today, isn't he, loyal listeners? I mean, get him early in the morning. He is focused. Go ahead, focused man. I got three cups of coffee on me. So what Jason is <laughs> You're alluding outside, to, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. It's already like I don't know. It's got to be pushing eighty already. I'm starting to sweat here. It's all good though. Mm, mm, um, mm. What Jason is referring to about Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey said that he gave up all his securities license so that he wouldn't have to be regulated by the regulatory authorities. And what I said was, I have all these licenses and I can't just say some of the things that he says because there's a real a real thing called uh, compliance. Anyway. He said some other bad things too, so you should listen to the podcast in two weeks. <laughs> leaders, leaders also build community. And I think this is important. Leaders build mm. community. Okay. All right. So, so think about that. Think about that. Leaders build build community. Um, I'm gonna give you a real real example right now. The gym that I go to, um, our gym owner shut down even before the orders from the state or the city came to shut down all all gyms. And Jody, I actually interviewed Jody. You can check her out on my uh, YouTube channel. Just uh, um, Jason will put it in the show notes. Right, my link to my YouTube channel. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and what she's done is she's done a really good job just in general about building community at the gym. But even in this time of, of quarantine, she created these, um, these, these squads or these teams and assigned team leaders. And each team leader is responsible for four or five people just to make sure that they stay engaged in their fitness program, that they stay engaged um, in the community. And to me, that's leadership. And that's cool. And as leaders... You know, we have a community to come to as leaders. You've created a community um, for for us. Oh, for the mastermind. Yes, 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 I have. And I'm thinking about that because this is the way my goofy brain thinks. I'm thinking like, okay, so if you create a community, you're a leader. So if you're leading people, obviously those people have something in common. So that creates community. So I started to question myself, is it possible to, if you are, is it possible to be a leader if you're just leading one person? I think if you're on an island with just one other person, maybe so. But I think if truly, I, I guess you could be a leader if you were just leading one person. But then I don't know if you could consider that a community because according to the definition, as I look, it's a group of people who are share something in common. You can define a, common, a community by shared attributes of people and by the strength of the com- connections amongst them. So, or, or by the strength of the connections amongst them. So I guess you could lead one person um, and, uh, and be actually yeah, I th- considered I think, a community. I think here, here's, something, here's something that's really, really important, okay? That mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to miss, and I don't want people to think that if they're not doing certain things, they're not leaders. So leadership is not necessarily you have to lead a group of people. I think we lead in different situations differently. Like True. In my it's house, true. I lead my family, right? You may have a friend who's struggling and you lead that one individual and you may be a good leader in that relationship. You may be a poor leader in another situation. So just because ah, you don't, just damn, you don't have good. just because you don't have a Oof. big following of people doesn't mean you're a poor leader. In fact, 
In fact, I will say this, and this is what leadership isn't. Leadership isn't a title, right? Just because no. you're, just because you have a title of, you know, it's an official leadership title, CEO, whatever, doesn't mean that whatever. you're a true leader. Uh, and I think that's something that that's really important. That most people who are leading are people without titles. Can I tell you where I'm a poor leader? Sure. One of the things that's always bothered me is. Um, is John C. Maxwell says that when you're defining the uh, an organization that believes in leadership and teaches leadership and is driven by leadership, one of the first things that you will notice about that organization is their ability to create and develop other leaders. I'm not very good at that. And I'm not very good about it, and I don't exactly know why. Um, I can train somebody on producing I can train them. I try to get better at helping them in their personal life. I'm a very selfish person. I really, truly am. Um, it, it comes through and I fight it a lot in trying to be open. I mean, I know it sounds terrible. I created a community on the mastermind and I love that stuff that I do, but I do it because like, I needed to get better and other agents needed to get better. So I created it for a selfish purpose for that way. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's, it's grown into something that everybody else needs. But going back to my agency, I don't, I get jealous of the way that other agents are be able to create leaders in their agency as in producers and senior account managers. And I think that's a weakness of mine. And it frustrates me because I like to say that I'm a decent to good leader I fall in line with a bunch of the other check marks, but going back to what you're saying and being open and raw with people, that's where I'm not a good leader is when I'm trying to develop others in our agency. I would say that. I mean, do, do you feel, do you feel an inclination or a calling to do that? I mean, cause look, there's, there's things that I'm poor at and I've come to realize that, you know what, like, that's just, that, that might be a personality thing for me that I'm just never going to really be good at this. And it's mm -hmm. not throwing in the towel and just saying like, I don't need to be good at this particular aspect. It's kind of like what you were talking about you and Travis, right? The visionary versus mm -hmm. the, the innovator, you know, you become mm -hmm. an innovator, you die. Like literally you, it steals your soul to have to, to operate as that, that, I'm sorry, the integrator of, you know, in, using tractions, mm -hmm. the, the guy who's got to operationally put these things in place. Travis might fail as a visionary, uh, sorry, yeah, I, I could see that. No, I'm not saying he, he would, but I'm seeing what the whole the whole realm of what you're saying there. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And I think it's important that we we own up to those things. You know, um, well, that's that I, self, I see that self awareness. Correct, and I think that that's where it, uh, you've got to get that way. And that may, you've got to be a little bit hu humility, have a little bit of humility to do that. I see it when my son does something wrong, and I'm trying to fix it and correct it. And I tell my wife all the time, "This is an example of bad leadership." Right. I've allowed this to happen over and over again. And now all of a sudden I want to hold him accountable and he's supposed to act correct. Right. No, it's my fault for not holding him accountable from the beginning and not staying along the lines. It just it's just the way that it is. It's bad leadership do everywhere. You, do you feel sometimes with your kids when you want to discipline them? The, the challenge is you're like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Like I'm disciplining myself <laughs> oh, yeah. and it's and it just oh, like absolutely. cuts your heart. And it's like, oh, oh absolutely. And then I think about how bad I was when I was their age, and I go, "Man, that's really not that bad what he's doing." Yeah. So you know, I mean, so here's know. here's another here's another um, trait of of a good leader is foresight, and this kind of goes back again to this this leading into the future is foresight. Leaders, good leaders, have the ability to remove themselves from 
the crisis or the situation and see beyond it. What you said earlier is actually opposite to the way that the brain works naturally. In crisis, you have a problem seeing that long term. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So you're able you're able to it's kind of, you know, I always remember, I don't know why this analogy always pops into my head, but I'm not a real estate guy. Real estate scares me. I never want to own real estate or, or outside of my own house. But they have those I'm people. The they have those people who can who can see like a a, a beat up house and say, "Wow, I." They have this, or you watch these these um, home improvement shows, and they have this unbelievable vision about what it could become. And they take this this crappy house and they make it this like this beautiful masterpiece. And they have foresight. Right. They have vision. You know what's crazy, dude? If you have you read the book by Malcolm Glad, uh, Gladwell, um, uh, uh, tra- uh, um, uh, talking to strangers. Do you know what? It's one of the newer ones. I listened to him talk about that book the day before they told us to social distance from people. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane, dude. Let me. That is kind of crazy, it's- dude. Let me let me talk. Let me check. He talks about what you're talking about with the long term vision. Okay, there is only two times in the brain that the brain um, can only focus on the here and now. Two times. Number one, when it is angry because of fear, because of emotion at a high intense rate. The second time, alcohol. When your draw, when your body is inebriated. Actually, he proves in this book. You should, you should. Anybody listening, you should read it. And if you have listened to it, you or read it. I, I listened to it. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A drunk man's words or a sober man's thoughts is not true. It's absolutely not true. It's been proven over and over. What it is is, is that you get stuck in your thoughts in the here and now. So if you already thought that. You can't get away from that thought. So if you thought it about the person, now you're drunk, you're with the person, you can't get out of that thought. Now, before you were drunk, you never said anything to the person because you knew the long-term consequences. That if I said this, then it's going to cause this problem or that, or I've already talked to them in the past about it. But when you're drunk, you don't know that beginning. You don't know that past. You only know what's stuck in it. Very, very similar to what happens when you are in fear. And so, and it's really crazy. So when you started talking about that in crisis and not being able to see long-term, it's it's that emotion, you know? And that also goes back to something that Billy uh, Williams says, mm-hmm. is that if you put motion in front of anything, it's bigger than it is, right? If something good happens, you put emotion in front of yeah. it, it's bigger, it's better than it is. Something bad happens, you put emotion in front of it, it's worse than it is. So I, it, a lot a lot, of, a lot of things to look there. I think we're kind of going around that when we're not level-headed, when we get in, wrapped up in our own brain and our own emotion, we can't think long-term term and so to counter that we should have empathy we we should we should uh i can't even think of them all compassion humility, we should have humility courage confidence yeah. yep courage i did not put courage actually there self-awareness courage. yeah these are the things that are, are 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 definitely what what we're trying to say here hey our family misses us we've been on here for 50 minutes i want to kind of wrap this up mm-hmm. i think dude we've been having some great things any other um, tangibles you had out there on leadership and in, in this time of uh, crisis yeah uh, no like everything everything we're talking about kind of comes from this idea of, of what's called servant leadership we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast <sighs> but, but this idea of servant leadership that, that leaders servant. leaders are servants of the people that that are following them uh, and I think that that is super vital to keep in mind as we're making decisions 
And it's something you alluded to earlier. Am I making a decision that's best for me or am I making a decision that's best for the people who are following me, the people that I'm serving? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and let me, I want to read with, um, with this other uh, quote from, from Martin Luther King. Cause I think sometimes some people think that, Oh, I'm not qualified to be, I'm not qualified to be a leader. You know, I don't have the education or the skills or whatever, but this, this is beautiful. He goes, not everybody can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato or Aristotle to serve. You don't need to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and soul generated by love. I like that. Holy shit. I've never heard that before. You like that? Dude. Dude. I love when people make simplicity out of things and he just did right there. You don't need to have all that. And what I mean by simplicity is sometimes there's ways that you can throw things in front of people and say, hey, what do you think about this advice? Or think a chew on that. And it's easy for them to discount it. It's easy for them to say, yeah, but, well, you know, you just eliminated, or he, Martin Luther King, just eliminated every one of those by saying, you don't, none of that matters to serve, you know? If you're, if you're, if you wow. can be humble, That's if you're good. compassionate, if you have empathy, if you can be courageous, um, overconfident, no, nothing, rationally, nothing there, nothing, notice, notice none of the characteristics we talked about were strength. Right. None of the Ooh. none of the characteristics we talked about were just successful, self-made. Mm. Right. And I th- and I think that's I think that's key. I think that's key. Mm. So I'm out, man. That that's mm. all I've got. I'm tapped. Mm. Actually, I, I, Isn't we, it, we can go for we can go longer if you want. But. We could go longer. We could go longer. But I'm telling you this: there's rain coming in in about two hours, and I'm getting ready to go rent a chainsaw. No joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and and cut up this tree. I climbed up this tree a couple weeks ago, and and cut all this these branches down. Now they're all on the ground. So I got to go get a chainsaw and cut them up and stuff like that. So I got things to do. Be careful, um, be careful man. So. Oh, dude. Yeah, I know. But I just I get off on this stuff. I love this stuff because I'm 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 not this isn't me. Right. So and it's also something that me and my 14, almost 15 year old son can actually go out and do together. And, you dude, know? and paying for someone to cut a tree is expensive. Expensive as can be. And dude, man. I kind of enjoy it. I en- I enjoy it, bro. I really, truly do. So I use a Sawzall. So I'll use a sawzall and climb in the tree. I mean, I'll I'll belt myself to the floor, you or to the tree using actual belts, okay? And then I'll, I'll climb this tree. I'm not scared of heights. I'll climb the tree and I'll sawzall it all down. And then when it falls to the ground, then I get the chainsaw out and cut up all the stuff. But anyway, can we get some? I, can, I we get some um, can we get some pictures of you strapped into the tree? Actually, that's a good idea. I will. I will do that. I will do that. I will do that. And I will say this is exactly what I'm talking about. And I'll even put them in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, this, you can go to the show notes. Hey, you know, what's amazing is wrapping this up. Thank you very much for, for your time. I really do appreciate it, Eric. Thank you. The loyal listeners, thank you. People who are not loyal listeners and are just finding out about this. If you're reading the ebook right now, um, you can find out that 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 even though he isn't from um, Louisiana, he doesn't have as bad a draw. So the transcription actually is pretty clean. Um, so I'm, I'm actually from Louisiana. Yeah, you are, but you don't talk like Louisianans. Like you don't talk like, hey, we're going down there, I'm getting from, down the bayou. Because I'm, you know, no, because I'm from New Orleans. I'm not from like, I'm not from oh. down the bayou. 
Oh, really? How far is that? How far is down the bayou? I mean, I can see yeah, alligator. I can see alligators 30 minutes from my house. If that's, okay, if that's so once again, not very you. far. Not very far. So you live pretty close to the bayou and you don't talk like someone from the bayou. That's also, I also grew up out. in a house, also grew up in a household where Spanish was spoken. So like we we were kind of we're already in he's a Cuban. Yeah. You guys already know this, but he's Cuban, so he's cool. So yes. Eric, thank you very much, man. Um, so here's here's what I want to just end with this by saying. Just a little common sense. Little common sense. Something that I see is common sense, a little commonality into everything we're talking about. There's been books written about leadership. There's been ways that you can talk about it for 50 minutes here, 54 minutes. I am telling you right now, Eric, I think that we busted down leadership in a very effective way. We could have talked about it from many different angles, but we stayed trying to stay true to what's rational, what is important to you right now. What's amazing is, is there's been books written about this for hundreds of years but I think every book, if you go back to it, it's just picture Jesus. That's all it is. I mean, you really go back to every one of these leadership traits and one of these attributes. And and maybe maybe your um, your religion is not Christianity. You know, um, maybe it's it, it, maybe you're of Islam faith. I'm pretty sure this is probably along the line of some of your of of some of your prophets. Of whatever it of whatever it is, what I'm saying is is we develop leadership in an understanding of what it is from those who have already lived it, those who have already given us the best experience to understand the power, the conviction, and the and the how to, the guide of how to be a leader. So no matter who it is out there, no matter who you may want to follow. Um, whomever you may think, understand that Eric brought to this conversation leadership because he believes of all the things that he has seen, of all the people he's talked to through all the existence that he's lived. I think um, knowing him in his life and his business and his family, he's one hell of a leader. And I think he drives home the importance to it. So please listen to what he says, get involved, find other people, reach out to Eric. Eric, someone wants to reach out to you. What do they just hit you on Facebook? They hit me on Facebook. Um, or LinkedIn, wherever. LinkedIn, Facebook, websites, uh, www.plan-wisely.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what he helps you do. And in the meantime, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Don't panic. Be rationally overconfident. Mm-hmm. Have empathy. And rem- What else is the other? And remember, Courage. Remember, leaders, people don't care how much you know until they care until they know how much you care. Until they know how much you care. Yep. So freaking truth. You like that? It's one of the major, yes, it is one of the, you can look at that with cause and effect. When we get off this and we hit stop, go ahead, loyal listeners, think of what he just says. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And think of cause and effect. Think about how we always try to change the effect of that, but we need to be looking at changing the cause. This has been Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence. I had today on Mr. Uh, Eric Garcia of Garcia Insurance Services and of plan-wisely.com. Is that right? Plan-wisely. Yeah, plan-wisely.com. That's right. That's right. Stay safe out there. Look forward to the next one that I've got coming out um, uh, with Aaron Nutting and Alicia Cavanaugh as we break down life in this crisis. We are out.